Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Undivided, episode number 17, Breaking the Executive Barriers. It is 7 p.m. here on the East Coast, and I'm Frank J. Maduri, your host. And I want to remind you, since I've had some issues playing the Audible show open recently, that all of our shows here on Life Coach Radio Network, including this one, are sponsored and brought to you by Audible.com. That is Audible.com, the world's leader in spoken audio, audiobooks, and for all your spoken audio needs, it's Audible.com. So welcome into the show tonight again. This is Undivided, episode number 17. It is March the 7th, a Wednesday night here in the year 2018, and a snowy and windy one where I sit here in New Jersey. Uh, a couple of storms uh, came up the northeast and have created some havoc today on the roads and bridges in the greater New York, New Jersey metropolitan area. I am glad to be on with you uh, tonight and I'm blessed to have power and internet and the ability to do this this evening. So we're going to talk tonight about breaking the executive barriers. My very special guest is Brenda Baird. You've heard me promote Brenda's show on our network uh, multiple times, probably throughout the course of my doing Undivided uh, since last summer. And I'm really blessed that Brenda could be with me this evening on this very important topic where she has a lot of expertise. So I'm going to get Brenda up in a minute. First, uh, women in the workforce amounted in 1978 to about 35% of the workforce. In the year 2015, it's up to 46% of the workforce. However, only 16% of CEOs are female. In a Forbes article recently, Women in Action is a networking group that was started by an executive at Dell, Karen Quintos, who's the only woman on their executive team. It brought to light that only 53% of tech companies have females in C-level jobs. Women tend not to seek help or help each other, which is what Karen deduced in her own rise to the C-level and wanted to change that trajectory. 14% of C-level executives are women. That's a very small number. Only 8% are top earners and only 4.6% of Fortune 500 company CEOs are female. So those are very small numbers in comparison to the rest of the Fortune 500 and brings to light the barrier, which we're going to talk about this evening. The Center for American Progress, the Pew Research, polls, Forbes, as I mentioned earlier, Fortune Magazine, they've all published on a leadership gap in women, which I'm going to talk to Brenda, about this evening, a leadership gap, a gap in mentorship, female mentorship, which then expands this problem. We're going to break down barriers to C-level jobs and why those barriers exist and how to navigate them. Uh, Brenda's been a CEO of her own business and a business owner for 20 years in a male-dominated field. She has spent the last 10 years leading corporate development and has her own coaching practice, which is focused on leadership and personal development. 
And before we get going, I just want to again, as I did last week, with the disclaimer that the views here aren't necessarily views of the network, aren't necessarily the views of the guest or myself. I've played devil's advocate on this show. I know I've caught some heat on some things. And I've actually been playing the role of uh, the devil's advocate or the role of the counterpoint in a debate. So I want to put that out there also. So we're going to get Brenda up now. Hello? Hey, Frank, how are you? Good. How are you, Brenda? Welcome to Undivided. Um, thank you for having me. It's really a pleasure to, to be on your show. Heard lots of great things. I've heard lots of great programming from you, and I'm really uh, excited for you to be the counterpoint to this topic tonight. I'm ready. Oh, thank you so much, and thank you for uh, your time and joining the program. Um, it's really great to have you aboard, so thank you. You're welcome. So we're going we're gonna to start up looking at the divide. You know, the first segment takes a look at, on this show, takes a look at the divide that exists. And in this case, it's the, the barrier, the divide with executives, C-level executives, by gender and also by diversity, too. There's a diversity issue that we could delve into. Uh, and even with men having certain qualifications and not being able to crack that level, that barrier as well, uh, based on different factors. Uh, mm-hmm. When did you first encounter that? barrier in the workplace? Was it always something that existed for you? When did you first encounter it? Yeah, I think it was evident to me with the very first professional job that I ever, that I had. This was before becoming an entrepreneur, but working for somebody else. um, It was quite evident that there weren't men in the decision-making arena, that the thoughts of women were considered a little less important and and not taken seriously and the results of that for me actually in in my own professional growth was that I I bumped up against it so hard that I set out to prove them that I could do it and it became the fuel for the reason why I opened my own business and in fact became successful in that role was Uh, you know, so many ideas that I brought to the table that I knew were going to help this business turn the corner and be competitive were dismissed. And um, so I just went and did it for myself. And not everyone has that risk tolerance to do that because that was a bit of a risky move. But it, it was from the very beginning, this idea that somehow the men were in charge. And how difficult was it for you to navigate that, those preconceptions? Yeah. Um, I think what can happen to you, if you're not careful, is the preconception that your ideas really don't matter or that for some reason the things you're bringing forward are coming from a place of of insecurity within yourself or um, maybe it's a, always wanting something more or better if you're not careful and you don't keep your thoughts in check, you can easily allow yourself to become a victim of those circumstances. And I can't say that I was never a victim to it or ever felt like a victim, because certainly I I did. But I think those are the turning points for women when they begin to see that the pressures they're feeling, the dismiss they're feeling, the how come my ideas aren't important, how come I'm not in that meeting, 
the reason behind those have very little to do with their intellect and their performance as it does with just some sort of cultural norm that fits within their society or organization. That's a really interesting point and excellent point because in this Forbes article that I referenced in the open, uh, this uh, uh, net with this network executive, which is executive Dell in uh, Karen Quintus, she mentioned mm-hmm. that she had a, a female boss at the time and had to go on maternity leave and felt that she was very fortunate for that because when she came back, you know, her supervisor basically put it to her straight and was like, I'm going to let you come in, essentially paraphrasing what it says in the article, I'm going to let you come and go as you want for the next two weeks because you're really not going to want to be here. Uh, Your head's going to be somewhere else. And then when you realize how important it is to be here, you'll come back in. And she felt that, you know, a man would never understand that or or give her that kind of uh, flexibility, if you will, or latitude. Yeah, well, I'm hoping that we're really in a place of revolution and that there will very soon be a day when the, you know, the raising of children and the running of family is a combined effort, both male and female, so that the day comes when, when there's a child born and a maternity leave accommodation is required, that both the male and the female, the, the mom and the dad, have equal consideration to what does it mean to have a child, what are the health concerns, the, you know, the stability of the family, and how does that actually connect back to the culture, the team morale, the, you know, the values of the business itself. And so it becomes less about that, that a woman has given birth and more about that a family is, is having a child and what is the impact on that on the people. Um, and we get less worried about gender. I think that's our problem. You know, these stereotypes of, you know, that the mom is, you know, is the one who's having the child. Well, quite frankly, it's both of them, and they both have concerns. And so I'm, I'm really an advocate for sort of neutralizing that, um, that obstacle around maternity, you know, time off. That, gosh, it really isn't just about the woman. If things are going the way they need to go, in my view, male and female share this equal responsibility for child-rearing. Today, no doubt, women share the lion's share of child care. But I think it's changing, and I hope it continues to change where we see uh, a more equal responsibility for that. And then when we get there, I think we would be less worried about whether our boss would understand. It would become actually the values of the company that they do understand, that their people you know, need this time. Yes, I was, uh, I worked somewhere once where the, uh, in that situation was the father had to take time off for, for quote unquote family leave or, or paternal mm-hmm. leave. And right. there was this big backlash, you know, there was people talking about, well, what does this guy, you know, need to take time off for? Because, <laughs> And I was like, wow, what is this, like 1955? And they said, oh, you know, like like she's the one that's going to have to deal with that stuff and and this and that. And and I remember someone from a supervisory level got involved and some people were actually had disciplinary action or were written up because of they were overheard by multiple people 
talking about that. And I was happy for that the company stepped in in that way and, and advocated for the man in that situation and saying that, no, it's family first company. So it's speaking to that. It was a great example of what you said. It speaks to the values yep. of the company that I was with at the time. So now, and I thought and this was a long time ago. So I thought, wow, you know, they are pretty progressive at that point. You know, this was over 10 years ago to have that be, you know, the nexus of what was going on in that situation. So I just thought I would bring it up. It was a good segue into that because there is, there's all these uh, gender uh, conceptions around gender that I think are at the root of, of this situation, obviously or not, obviously with the gender divide and now the me too movement has become a big thing. But this uh, woman in the Forbes article talked about, instead of talking about work-life balance, it should be work-life harmony. And that those two yeah. things should coexist in some kind of har- harmony. So, which that also speaks to what you were saying as well, which I thought was, mm-hmm. was very interesting. And I'm hoping yeah. that we, we progress in that way. Uh, uh, a friend of mine's uh, son, he just had his uh, first grandchild, who's his son and daughter-in-law, and his son was home for three weeks because she had to have emergency surgery during during the birth. So. Mm. I thought that was really neat of his companies. He was home for three or four weeks before he went back to work. Interesting how we're making some progress in that way. Yeah, I think we are. And I think it's going to take both the male and female uh, perspective to come together and understand these places where um, gender isn't as important as it it used to be. Um, You know, who's taking, who's raising the child, who's caring for the child, um, if they can both care for the child, I think. And I really think for, for women who feel like they're the nurturers and the caregivers, we certainly are. That is part of what it means to also be a female leader are the things that we bring to it as a female. But we also have to understand that men who are fathers also can raise and nurture and care for a child as well. And so there's a couple of barriers there we have to break through. Um, but tonight I know is about barriers to leadership in women and certainly is a, a passionate topic for me, having lived it and experienced it. And uh, when I look at some of the statistics, I know you read off several of those at the beginning. There's a few of them that just stand out uh, to really give evidence to, to the problem. And, and one of those that you didn't mention along with how many females are in these roles is the fact that female college graduates have outnumbered males for decades. So there's more females going to college and getting educated, and it isn't representative of their opportunity for advancement in the workplace. Uh, it's wow, just interesting, interesting fact to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is. That is. We're going to jump into that in a moment. We're at 7.15 already, 15-minute break here. We'll be back in a moment on Undivided Episode 17. I'm your host, Frank Chamaduri. Brenda Baird, along with me tonight, will be back to the discussion in a moment. A quick announcement for you guys. Paul Garwood's series, Push Through. That's Paul Garwood, Push Through. 8 p.m. on March 11th. That's a Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, over on the Life Coach chat channel. That's Paul Garwood's show, Push Through. It's all about people that have overcome mental illness, emotional illnesses, emotional trauma, other traumatic events in their lives, and concurrent situations that have kind of combined to bring them down, whether it's, you know, loss of a 
family member loss of a job, uh, divorce all at the same time. They're really inspiring stories. He has some great guests. So his next show will be March 11th. It's a Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern over on the Life Coach chat channel. And just a quick uh, announcement here, Catholic Charities, 800-919-9338 and www.salvationarmyus.org. Give from the heart if you can to help those who are in need. And we're back here on Undivided, episode number 17, Breaking the Executive Barriers. Thank you, Brenda, for mentioning that. That's a really interesting statistic as we jump back in, that there's so many more women going and getting the education, but there's so few opportunities for them. What is it going to take to change that trajectory? Yeah. I really think that it will be the culture of organizations who actually take a look at their succession planning. Uh, And what I mean by that is, so, you know, every year, sometimes every quarter, every half a year, uh, large organizations typically will walk through their talent with an HR representative and their high-level executives and managers. They'll take a look at talent in the workplace and identify what they think are the up-and-coming leaders or high potentials, as they're called in the organization. Typically, in those succession planning meetings, a male will be evaluated on his potential and a female will be evaluated on what she has already achieved or what results has she already gotten. And it's two fundamentally different mechanisms in which to identify high potential talent. And so right there begins the discrepancy when you think that the workplace is almost 50-50, the percentages, you know, vary a little bit between more men or more women. But if you imagine that there are 50-50 and the women are more educated typically than the men who are coming in at an entry-level position, why then is it that when we start to see succession plans built, we see that males are most are mostly put into those high-potential roles? And so I think that that's where it will have to begin. It's going to have to be some sort of a switch in, and I challenge corporations to do this, to put the equal burden of proof on results for both male and female and how that will become the decision-making factor in promotion. I think that's the first step. Makes sense. You know, from where I sit, and thank you for taking a step back and explaining succession planning for listeners that may not understand what it is. Uh, so that was very succinct, too. Uh, it's, it, you have to break the cycle at some point. It's like any other societal construct I've tackled on this show. There, at some point, the, that, that cycle has to be changed. Has to, we have to try and, and at least create a, a diverted path for it to walk down that road. And that makes a lot of sense because if you start, it's like a top-down approach uh, because there is a vacuum in those jobs too, that's going to help, I think, level the playing field, which is what we're trying to achieve. Uh, Some people would say that we've made progress there, right, with more women are working, like you had mentioned. Uh, But there is a gap in women-owned small businesses, which just speaks to another thing that that you're familiar with. Uh, 
uh, mm-hmm. women in board positions. There was a UC Davis yeah. study I don't know if you saw, you know, uh, of the 400 largest California-based corporations, only nine percent of the board seats were female. That's incredible. Right. And then also, yep. also you know, the C-level positions. Is that the root of why this is happening? You know, is it is it strictly identifying talent and and having that mechanism that's kind of that unfair mechanism of, of comparing them, generally speaking, for the most part across corporations? Or is there something else driving this? Yeah, I think that one of the drivers for board positions and business ownership really runs down a couple of different paths for me. So the first one is other females who are in leadership roles need to do a better job of reaching out and supporting other females who desire to do maybe something similar to what they're doing and help be their mentors. Uh, Women are not good at doing this. Women are not good at building them up and bringing them along with them, connecting them into places where they they need to be seen and observed and, and just providing them with that overall connection and advocate for their career development. Um, that there needs to be a step up in that. And then from the female perspective, one of the things that I have observed in, in my time, you know, in leadership roles is that women need to lead like women. We don't need to become men in order to get into these leadership roles. And what I mean by that is oftentimes when women pretend to be or act and lead like men, they can get themselves into trouble. And quite frankly, it's the same trouble that a man can get into in terms of reputation. <laughs> and I don't mean that in a, in a sexual way. I just mean in a, you know, um, cold or, uh, you know, not warm, you know, a bitch. Sure. Sometimes they get called, <laughs> to be blunt. Yeah. But we need to lead like women because we are women. And we are different from men. And quite frankly, I think we have a better mechanism for rallying people together and getting people to work together to get things done. And we need to tap into our feminine intuition and do that daily so that when something doesn't seem right about ourselves, something doesn't seem right about situations, we can use that intuition to speak up do the work that needs to get done, and to really make some great decisions. Some of the things that I see are the strengths of women in leadership roles are that women are great at collaborating with other people, seeking the input of other people through consultation, and really even including other people in, into the projects at work. But where we begin to fall short is oftentimes we will use um, self-deprecating language to minimize ourselves. And that's where we can start to get into trouble. And so in my mind, if someone really wants to step out and be a business leader, step out and become an entrepreneur, they've got to, they've got to really know how to do, in my mind, they've got to learn to do four things. And I learned these four things the hard way. I mean, two by four upside the head a couple of times. So I'm speaking from experience here, but you've got to know the numbers in business. You've, you've got to embrace them and you've got to know them. You've got to know how they work. You've got to know what they mean. 
You really have to do that. And so oftentimes you'll hear people say, well, I'm not good at finance or um, numbers aren't my thing or, you know, that is the beginning of the end of your career advancement, especially in the corporate world. You've got to know what, what your business is about. You've got to know what the numbers mean. You've got to know how to make decisions on the numbers. It's really important. You've got to know how to build a team. You've got to know how to celebrate. And you've got to know how to nurture yourself. And if you can tackle those four things as you step into a leadership role, I, I think you'll be pretty successful. Um, and just remember to lead like a woman and use your intuition and don't try to be something that you're not. I think every report I've ever seen on, yeah, so every report I've ever uh-huh. seen on, on women leadership is that women lack the support and authority in order to make the advancement. And I think we have to take ownership of that and we have to really look at how we behave, how we show up and how we, you know, learn to manage the businesses that we're in so that we can be advanced because we're smart and we're educated. We got great ideas (laughs) and we have that feminine intuition and you put all that together and you've got a powerhouse. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm Audible.com sponsors our show, just a reminder, and I will open the phones in about five minutes. Phone number to call is 646-716-9397. Again, 646-716-9397 is the number to call for any questions or any input you may have for Brenda or myself. Undivided show, that's undivided, S-H-O-W at gmail.com. If you would like to email questions, I check throughout the show. The email address, if you'd like to email us in a question. The last couple of shows, we've had three or four each show. So I'm very grateful for that, and thank you to the listeners. So is it strictly an acumen vacuum? Do you think, like, as you were speaking to that earlier, is, is, is it strictly an acumen vacuum here and a mentorship disconnect? Is, are those the two things that drive this, or is it something deeper than that? Well, I think sometimes it is, it is deep. I, I can tell you that, it probably happens for most of us as women as early as in grade school. I, I read a study once that said it's in the early primary years that it's almost an unconscious belief that we have to, that is limiting us and we need to overcome it. But that when we start to get into the sciences and engineering and math, that teachers will automatically assume that it is the male students in the classroom that are more interested in that than the females. And it's not true. It's, you know, there's equally an interest in those skills. And so what happens then to women is they tend to enter into college and pick careers where they'll take leadership roles in staff roles like um, HR, even legal or quality, or even sometimes IT. And by contrast, if you were to look at the male, their male counterparts, they're often coming out of places where there's some sort of profit and loss responsibility or um, some core operation responsibility. And so those two, P&L responsibility and core operations, those are the open doors to getting to the C-suite. And so I mean, when's the last time you heard of any global CEO coming out of an HR department? They it don't. Doesn't mean that That's it, true. They don't. And it doesn't mean that the chief 
human officer is less intelligent or less capable. It just means that that's just not where organizations and society looks for people to lead large organizations. So, you know, it's a little little bit about that. Um, also, some things that I've read and I've, I've also experienced it myself that that the stress for women in career is greater than what it is for men. And I think sometimes that's viewed as uh, women are less capable of handling stress. It was so funny, Frank. I watched, I just watched the movie on Billie Jean King uh, last month, I think it was. And that was in the 70s. I was absolutely taken back. This would have been the time when I was growing up as a teenager to hear what they were saying on national TV about she couldn't handle the stress of the game, that she was a woman in a woman's place, you know, in the bedroom and in the kitchen, and she can't handle the stress of a big game like this. And I was like, wow, wow that was really happening. It was coming out of ABC Sports anchors who were saying these things as they were evaluating the game. And so wow. those kinds of messages, <laughs> it just tees you up, right? It tees you up to know that I could put a whole bunch of effort into this thing called my career and I can't win it. So then why even try? Where could I be successful? Well, I could be successful here. And so that has an impact. And it also creates the stress. It's an undue disproportionate amount of stress when you think of the opportunities that aren't always available to women, how women can work really hard, achieve great results, and still not get that pat on the back or that call to the table to, to have discussions on strategic decisions. So it's a, it's a lot of things altogether, but, you know, I'm hoping the Me Too movement and a lot of other things that have happened here most recently are, are really the final thrust of this revolution to help break down those barriers. Very well said. Very well said. And that's, I can't believe some of that stuff was happening and, and in the 70s. And it goes to show you, as you were saying, it, the track that you take is so pivotal and it's almost like the bar is, it's like in a comparison, it's almost like the bar is lowered before the game's even begun uh, when it comes right. to some of these things. We're right at 7.30, unbelievably. It goes by fast, as I <laughs> tell everyone that comes on the show. Yeah. And we're at the midpoint of the show break. Uh, Thank you very much again, uh, Brenda, for being on. We're going to take a quick break here from Undivided. We'll be back in a moment to talk more about breaking the executive barriers and segue the show into our next segment. But first, Trina Ramsey has a solo show coming your way. That's Trina Ramsey, 7 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday, March the 13th, also on the Life Coach chat channel. Trina has had a, a long-running show that I will promote later called Sisters of the Diaspora that she runs as almost like a panel type of show. She also does solo programming. This will be a solo show where she tackles a lot of uh, issues around harmony and harmony and diversity and peace. And so her next show is coming up again at 7 p.m. Eastern, Tuesday, March the 13th on Life Coach Chat Channel. And a reminder, www.samaritanspurse.org. They do a lot of work in Latin America and the Caribbean. And as I always do each show, whether it's at the half-hour mark or at the top of the hour, if you are someone that you love or care about or know or work with, 
as something that they just can't get around. It's stuck in their brain. It's stuck in their mind and in their emotions. If they're having troubles and if you notice a change in them or if you yourself notice a change in yourself, something bringing you down, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 800-273-8255. Again, that number is 800-273-8255, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. You matter, and there are people there that are listening. Please call. If there's anything that's happening in your life, please give them a call there. So we're back here on UndividedAudible.com. Brings us our show and all the shows here on the Life Coach Radio Network. I'm going to open the phone lines, 646-716-9397. Again, the number, 646-716-9397, if you have a question for Brenda or myself, as we now enter the segment we call Bridging the Divide. So, Brenda, we're back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hope you're able to get some water. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> How can we bridge the divide in the workplace so that we allow more women and more diversity into the C-level suite, into the upper levels of the executive levels in an industry or in a company? How, how can we do that? Yeah, I think it's going to start with females themselves speaking up and standing up for themselves, getting really clear about how and what they want their careers to look like and how that career dovetails into their life. And so what I mean by that is that so often we, we hear of people who have achieved CEO status or C-suite or they open their business, and when they get there, they're not happy. And it, I can speak from personal experience because this is what happened to me. I I had my own successful business. I ran it for 20 years. I met some pretty phenomenal goals that I had set for myself. And then all of a sudden I got to this place where here I was, I had arrived, and I was probably the most unhappy I had ever been in all of my life. And so what results from that is I end up selling the business which was a great experience for me, I have to say. I mean, it was a full circle moment to take it from startup to sell it and somebody give me money for it. I mean, that's, that's awesome. But the reasons behind it were, were really tragic when I think back on it and I look at what happened to um, my health and my mindset. And then I jumped right into another career in the corporate job without clearing some of that crap out and found myself in the same place again you know, leading this group of learning and development. It was the work that I loved. I loved the work, just really unhappy with what I had chosen. And so I entered into um, my IPEC coaching. Um, That's the coaching school that I went to um, to get certified to be a coach. And it was in that work that I gained the courage to get really clear about what I wanted to do in my life and got really clear about what, what that work looked like. And so for many years, <laughs> I was doing the work I thought I was supposed to be doing, and it wasn't the work. I kind of <laughs> had it wrong. And so I, I really think that all of this is going to have to fall again on us as women to get really clear about what we want in our life, what that looks like, 
how we're going to balance it, how we're going to balance the people, what are our priorities in life, not just our career, and then go to, you know, set up the uh, foundations to make that happen. And I think in that, we will continue to break through the barriers because we'll be of a clear mindset, we'll be of a clear focus, and we'll be able to speak, our, speak up when we need to speak up, stand up for what we know is right, and do the things that we need to do in order to be successful. And not everybody wants to be a CEO. <laughs> That's the other thing. Not everybody wants to climb to, you know, that point. CEO status. But if you do, you should be able to get there. That's just how I feel about it. If that is where you want to go and if that is what you want to do, you should be able to have a pathway there, unencumbered it's by all really, this other thought. <laughs> it is. It's really disproportionate. When Tammy Banfield was on the show and we talked about the glass ceiling, similar topic, mm-hmm. some similar things came about, and we were talking about how, how women are perceived in the workplace versus men. So, like, if, if a woman did, did action X and a man did action X, you know, the woman would be perceived as bossy and the man would be perceived as assertive. And, it, and to, to a large degree, it's true. I've seen it play out. So mm-hmm. there's this, or as you mentioned before, there's the other word, you know, they could be saying that she's that way um, yeah. about something. And the, the man will be, oh, well, he's a take charge kind of guy. So just right, right. there, that, that uh, perception is bringing down the entire situation, let's say, because it, until some of those those gender norms start to change, because then, then the devil's advocate, because, again, I caught some heat in that episode. I'll probably catch some heat in this one, too. Um, and I had said to her at one point, you know, at the end of this show, I'm going to feel bad for being a guy. Um, yeah. But, you know, I have a different way of thinking about these things. But to play devil's advocate, I've I've been with people in a room. I've been in a room with all men, and they're like, oh, you know, some of the stuff is overblown. Uh, you know, like how we do the voice. Some of the stuff is overblown, and, uh, you know, we have different laws now, and, and it's equal opportunity in the workplace, and the, we have changes to HR, and blah, blah, blah. Now, that begs the question. Do the changes in the HR policy, the changes in, you know, the Equality Acts and some of the legislation that's come through on a national level, are they just cosmetic? I know this is probably a tough question, but are they just cosmetic or are they serving to bridge the the gap or the divide or are they seeking to expand it or further it? Yeah. So here's my thought. Policies don't get created unless there's a problem. All the policies, all the rules, everything in life gets created when there's a problem. And so when we look at sexual harassment policies, when we look at diversity and equal opportunity codes of conduct within a corporation, it's because there has historically been a problem that we're trying to overcome. And the corporation has to establish itself as being somewhat the social arena of human beings, right? And so the policies are there for a good reason because crap happens, and it happens on both sides. The reason that it's predominant within the male 
um, work, you know, those that are male in the workforce is because they're the ones who sit in the power positions, right? So if we didn't have this diversity, this disproportionate of male, female in leadership roles, we wouldn't see it as a male problem. But in fact, it is a social problem. It, it happens on both sides. When there's a female who's in a high-level position, she can equally assert her authority over someone underneath her. And that's the whole premise of sexual harassment and code of conduct. You know, one of the things that kind of rubs me the wrong way, and I have a bit of an HR background from my corporate days, is that sexual harassment is when you use sex to, um, to have sex for some protection for that person, like I'll let you have your promotion if you'll have sex with me. If you go to dinner with me, I'll make sure that you get that day off you want. That's sexual harassment. Being ridiculous and uh, pornography or exposing yourself or all of those things, that's really a code of conduct problem. And again, the reason I think it's so prevalent for males or they may feel like those policies are for them is because they're the ones who sit in the leadership role most of the time and have the power. So as we begin to see the shift in more females having access and opportunity, we're going to find females are going to do the same thing when they get in those roles if they don't keep themselves in check. And that's truly what I believe. And so the policies are good. They're guidance. They protect people, and they need to be there. But where the shift has to occur is in leadership roles. What does it actually mean to be a leader, whether you're a male or a female? And if you are a female leader, how do you lead like a woman, using your intuition, your collaboration, and your get-it-done things? At the end of the day, for either one of those groups, it's about results. If you're not getting results and if you're not getting things done, it doesn't matter. You're never gonna. You're never gonna succeed, and so that's what I think. That's true. <laughs> that's true. There's a lot of it. Is thank you. That's a great answer because a lot of it's performance based anyway. At the end of the day, and and you bring to light a good point that the leadership development in in companies that uh, procedures, those procedures and policies, or you know the curriculum, if if for lack of a better word, probably has to change in order for all that to change or else there's no safeguard against, as you said, you know, it's a more of a human thing versus a gender thing. That person, when they get power, is going to do the same thing, whether they're a female or a male. If, if that doesn't change yeah. the way the, the leadership development is not, is not changed in any way, that process yeah. is never going to stop. That's going to be a continual cycle, which is very interesting. Yeah. So it brings up the training aspect. Yeah, I mean, I really, I am in support of Me Too. I am in support of Time's Up. But we will do ourselves a disservice if we suggest that it's a male problem. It's a human power problem. And that has to exactly. be cultural, culturally in society before we're going to make real progress. Because you can open the door to make that be 50-50 CE, global CEOs in the world, and this problem isn't going to go away. It might look different, might even be called something different, but these human power plays, they're still going to be there. Wow, really interesting. Um, 
is it more the same as far as fostering a climate of change for women-owned small businesses, as I mentioned before? Do you have any opinion on that? No, I know that you've yeah. know, sat in that chair. Yeah, I, I can tell you some stories that would just uh, absolutely just blow your mind. Uh, the one that comes most to mind to me was in the, the later years of the business, we were very successful. We had, through one of our vendors, won an all-expense-paid trip to Mexico. Uh, only thing we had to commit to was to be at this large business meeting to talk about strategy for the upcoming year on this particular product line, which was not a problem for a free vacation. And it came the day of the meeting, and the president of the company who um, sold us the product came to me and said, I need you to do me a favor. And I said, well, what is that? He said, I need you to go shopping with the other wives. And could your husband come to the meeting? And, you know, then he could update you later. And I said, well, he could, but he won't. I'm the president Whoa. of the company. I'm, I'm the one who runs the company. He's welcome to come with me if you'd like him with me. I mean, I'll ask him if he wants to come, but I'll be in the meeting because that's where I need to be. And I was in the meeting, but it was icy. And so those, those are the realistics of the world. And I think, again, what it's going to take is women to stand up, know what's right, speak up when something's wrong, hold your ground and perform. And, you know, I was highly respected. It was an uncomfortable meeting, but we worked through it, and we continued to sell, and we continued to win vacations, and they never asked that of me again. So um, if I would have become submissive and said, oh, well, of course, I wouldn't want to offend anybody, and, you know, I don't know about the numbers anyway, so I'm just, yeah, I'll just let Tom go in my place. If I would have done that, I would have lost all credibility with everyone in the room. So, you know, it, it's the same sort of scenario where you, as a female, we have to be really clear about what we want to do for our work, what are our values, stand up for things that aren't right and speak up. And then perform, Absolutely. you know, wow. do what you need to do. Yeah. That that story did make my head spin. Wow. <laughs> um, it, it did. It really did. Oh, that yeah. I just—it's—it's it's mind-boggling. Some of the stuff that I hear goes on. Uh, it really is. And maybe the future yeah. is some of these, like this uh, situation I mentioned before at Dell with this Women in Action networking group. Maybe that's the yeah. future as far as for women to start some kind of mentorship track for each other. Maybe those mm -hmm. types of networking groups could be the future, especially at some of these larger corporations as we move forward, that could be a, a way of doing that. I always like to circle back to coaching. You had mentioned it before. I also went through the program at IPEC as well. Mm -hmm. um, I always like to circle that back because we are, you know, Life Coach Radio Network. And uh, what is the role of coaching here in in this divide and this, uh, this gap? And uh, what role can it play? How can it help? Uh, I know you've had your own practice for a, a while mm -hmm. and have been working in, in different areas. Uh, what's your experience on that, and, and what do you think the role of coaching and 
uh, how, how it can be used here. Yeah. So I think that using a coaching approach at work is great for all leaders to learn that. It's the next step in evolution in a leader's development is to approach the workplace as if they're coaching other people to grow and develop and rise up with them. And so from a female perspective and how coaching can be used in helping to bridge this gap is that those of us who have been in leadership roles need to coach those at lower levels in the organization who aspire to do the same. Coach them on how to get their minds straight. Coach them on how to get really clear about what they want from their life and their career and just help bring them along with us. You know, (laughs) it doesn't do any good for us to achieve this place at the top and not to bring someone along with us. And, and I even think sometimes it's even coaching, you know, male folks that you see um, really have um, an opportunity to grow in the company too, but to just look at them the same and, and, and judge their potential on the things that you see equally about both of them. So, yeah, it's been you, fun being it, a leadership coach. It really has. It, that is the work I was destined to do. And you know what I learned from IPEC is that I'm so grateful for these decades of, even though it felt bad and stressful and burned out in the moment, it has brought me all these experiences to today so that I get where the leaders are coming from and I get what got them there because I was there too. And um, so I'm having a lot of fun. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. That's that's excellent. do you think it's more a role for outside coaching? Like, do you think this is something where corporations will hire outside coaches or bring in coaches to work in-house focused on, on this, on leadership development and, and some of the issues wrapped around uh, male-female gender-based situations? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm such an advocate of coaching anyway. I've, I've been coached. I've hired coaches. I've run coaching programs. I've, you know, and now I am a coach, you know, coaching other people. So I'm a true advocate of coaching to help you just break down and get really clear and then break through the things that limit you or prevent you from getting the outcome you're looking for. And I think a coach is invaluable in helping organizations do that as they're ready to, you know, do some major change initiatives, maybe they have a culture problem, or maybe even they do recognize that they have a, a disproportionate amount of male and females in leadership roles and what is it that brought us to this place and get really, you know, sort that out. Coaching is absolutely um, the way to go um, for a lot of reasons, even helping that young talent to get ready to jump into a leadership role. Um, I sure wished I would have had coaching in those early days of my career. But then once the coach is there and has worked it and walked out, you know, they're really not a part of the organization. So actually developing your leaders to approach their management style with, from a coaching perspective, I think will go miles and miles in helping to turn this thing around. That's a, uh, that is a very viable point because I've seen that at a couple of companies that are like Fortune 50 level where they're, they're starting to use different coaching methods that we learned at IPEC and they just call it a different mm. type of name. 
and yeah. and we're doing a top down saying, hey, you know, leaders uh, do this with your subordinates and uh, then trickle down to, you know, sales development, do this with your sales teams, and then team leaders do this with your team members. So it's this trickle-down effect that's starting from the, the corporate level down, which is really interesting, it's, and it's focused more on uh, the positives, which is what's so great about it. It's what, yeah. what you did right, not what you missed, and then it's, okay, how are we going to take your strengths that you have in this area and apply them to an area where you may have an area of opportunity to grow? So it's a really positive conversation other than when, when I've been in certain companies and involved with certain companies, their coaching was, well, you know, you, you missed here, here, and there. How are we going to get you to hit these targets, you know? Yeah. It was what was yeah. wrong with the person and, and how they couldn't hit it. So it's a different type of, of framework around it. Um, so yeah. it's, it's very interesting, the role of coaching. Do you have any opinion on... Um, before we transition into our last segment of the show, do you have any opinion in this, how we bridge this divide for uh, uh, different diversity avenues, so people of of different ethnicity, diversity, and how uh, they could be brought into the uh, sea level? Yeah. Oh, I can't imagine um, put that on top of being a woman and then put that add the added complexity of minority onto that, the challenges and what that actually feels like. I don't think anybody really knows uh, what that is. And I I saw in the 80s, I saw this Oprah show once, Frank, where this woman came on and she began to tell the audience that brown-eyed people were smarter than blue-eyed people. And she had all the evidence to support it. And it so reminds me of wow. right? how we give ourselves the evidence to this is why these things happen to me. Here's my evidence for why that's true. And we buy into it. And next thing you know, it becomes our value system when really it's not, our belief system when really it's not. And Oprah had set it up so that the room had been divided. If you had brown eyes, you got one color card. If you had blue eyes, you got another color card. The audience didn't know about it. But what happens is they get segregated. And the brown eyes are on one side, the blue green eyes are on the other side. And this woman begins to do this. And what you see happen in the social think is that the brown eyed people begin to then cite evidence of how they're smarter and cite evidence of how blue eyed people are different and they're not as good. And they begin to fight. And I saw that when I was in my 20s and it has such a profound impact on me in watching that all happen. Because I had people that I loved that had brown eyes and people that I loved that had blue eyes. And I knew this is not true. (laughs) And I even got angry as I was watching it, you know. And I thought for myself, wouldn't it be great if the whole world's mandatory education is you had to watch that episode of Oprah, but that's really not probably probable going to happen, right? But what I learned from it is that when we segregate ourselves away from things that are different from us, we begin to believe that there's a difference between us that may not be true. And I think that's what's happened in society. We've, you know, we just, things are different, whether you're um, gay, you're, you're black, you're brown, male or female. We have all these preconceived notions because we haven't had enough integra- integration of these things into our life. And once we do, we realize that the bad that's in the world 
is in the world and it's not necessarily related to color or gender, that sometimes the bad we see is the result of any one of those things being disproportionately less able to have opportunity. Does that make sense? I mean, it's the same social problem in my mind as the, as the females in the CEO, if we were to just look at it from race, it would be the same thing. And it's so integrating and expanding your world so that you get exposure to people who are different than you. You know, whatever that means, through the arts, through, you know, an occasional trip to a museum, through education, through the school system. The bad in the world isn't related to the color of our skin or the gender, our DNA. There's just bad in the world. And we need to protect ourselves from that. But we don't need to do it at the expense of a, it's a, of a group of brown-eyed people or blue-eyed people, right? It's just not, uh, right. it's just not yeah. accurate. So, yeah, that's my, that's my opinion on that. I giggled when you thought, asked me if I'd have an opinion, and my family would tell you I'm, I'm not without an opinion. <laughs> so, <laughs> I giggled at that. <laughs> Oh, no, thank you for sharing. It was, uh, I couldn't agree more. And that's part of what this show's about is that's the crux of the show is trying to tackle these things and show them for what they are. They're just made up barriers. They, they shouldn't exist. And I'm hoping yeah. through these conversations that people realize more and more that, you know, why do they exist and start asking themselves, imagine a world where they don't. Um, yeah. So to find common ground tonight, how do we find common ground on this issue? Is it uh, some total of everything that we've discussed as we come to the end of our time together? Is it uh, a little bit of this, a little bit of that? Is there one step that we all can take towards that in the immediate term? What do you yeah, think it is? I, you know, I, you know uh, I've, I've lived a life where I've had, um, I've had a fair amount of sadness, I've had a fair amount of tragedy. I've had a fair amount of success. And I'm a really blessed person. And in each one of those places in my life, what made it richer, what made it easier to heal, what made it easier to transition is when I made sure that I found time to get centered with myself. And for me, that's meditation. And that can take the form of a lot of different things. Some people may pray to God. Some people would pray to something else, but whatever it is, it's just that connection of getting to connection to your heart and getting still and quiet, even if it's just for a few minutes a day, can help you to hear what's, you know, get the noise shut off. And it's going to take a while to shut off the noise, shut off the TV, get quiet, sit still, and really think about what's important in life. Um, it'll help us to make better decisions as we move forward, you know, clearing out some of the limiting beliefs that we might have. If you find yourself saying, I should be doing this, or they should be doing that, or I would never do this, those are like big red flags that are thrown up in front of you to say, you need to stop and think about where that belief comes from. Where does it originate from? And in your heart, do you really believe that to be true? Some people, they may still believe it to be true, but I think for most of us, we would find that we would 
find a little more tolerance and a little more compassion and a little more understanding. That's excellent. Yes, it's um, part of one of my shows where I talk about, you know, sitting in, in quiet and letting yourself actually think the, the show I did about healing. That was, mm-hmm. that was the main part of, of what you just hit on is, you know, that's, that's why people feel that they can't heal. They're so disconnected mm-hmm. because there's all this noise around. So, so thank you for that. That's, that's a good place uh, for all of us to start. And in this case, it's a, a place where we will end, you know, our conversation uh, on this for tonight. I wanted okay. to ask you, I thank you for your, your time here. Um, I thank you for being on. Uh, I wanted to ask you, though, about some of the things you had going on, if you had a minute or two, and then I'm going to promote yeah. some of the shows before we sign off yeah. about Kickstarter yeah. Red some of these other things yeah. you have going on your podcasts and everything. Yeah. So I uh, I have had the really great opportunity to be associated with the Kickstart Your Edge group. And it actually came from uh, one of the founders, Jen Barley, was my coach instructor. And she uh, had her own private practice. And her partner, Karen, also had a private practice. And then together they came to create this thing called Kickstart Your Edge to help coaches. And I've followed them for a good long time, and they are high energy, um, down and out, just right to the point. And they have literally, I say this all the time, they've just made me a better coach. And they are now moving uh, to create a program for training uh, leadership coaches in the corporate environment. And it's called Get Real coach training program. Let me pull this up so I say it correct. It's the Get Real Leadership and Corporate Coach Training Program. And that's going to kick off in April. And anyone who is listening, coach or leader, wannabe coach, this is going to be a program that's going to give us, uh, at the end of the 20 weeks, you will have two certifications. One, you will be a certified leadership coach with ICF uh, hours for credentialing. If you're already a coach, um, you will have a new distinction of being a leadership coach, and you will also have ICF hours that can be attributed towards an ICF accreditation like ACC or PCC. And of course, if you're already an ACC, PCC, these hours can go towards your annual training hours um, that you need to get to hold that credential. So there's a lot of positives in taking the 20-week class. But what you get in the class is what has me so excited. You're going to get a leadership toolkit that's going to have a variety of tools in it that you can take right into your corporate scenario and use with your clients. A values deck card, a team charter deck card, uh, team talks and coaching tools, um, and all kinds of exercises and materials and you name it. It just seems like it's just so robust. The second credential you get is the EQI 2.0 certification, which means you're going to get to take the assessment, you're going to get certified to administer the assessment, and you get some free assessments then that you can use to share with your clients. And so two big certifications in this 20-week training program. And for those of us who have gone through coaches' training 
It is invaluable. It's life-changing. But coaching in a corporate world and and coaching executive leaders or corporate leaders is a little different uh, animal, so to speak. And these two, Jen and Karen, have absolutely nailed it with their methodology. They used it in their own coaching practice, and now they're going to share it out with the rest of us. Um, it has live, a live uh, component to it and then virtual components uh, throughout the 20-week. You get peer mentoring, so you get real-time feedback on your coaching, which is phenomenal. And uh, I just can't say enough good about them. Anybody who wants to look at it, um, just take a look at kickstartyouredge.com forward slash coach training. And you can see a a one-page flyer that has their methodology spelled out. You know, the, the key thing I think about this methodology that's been so beneficial for me is they tell us, you know, these are the things that your client's going to come to you with. You know, I've got a, a team that doesn't trust. I have a communication problem. I got a leader who won't delegate. And so oftentimes that's really not the problem. And when they walk in the door and say, help me with delegation, oftentimes what we do is provide them with delegation training, right? <laughs> and that's not yeah, right. the problem. <laughs> so this methodology takes that. Uh, that client that comes to you and it helps you to find the thing behind the thing as they call it and get down to the thoughts, the behaviors, the actions and the results um, that can come from the things that we believe and the, and the clutter that we have in our mind. So uh, I, it's worth a look. I, I've, it's up to my game as a coach. So anyone who's listening who wants to put a coach approach into their leadership toolkit or a coach that wants to up their game and get into a more corporate uh, coaching environment, um, this training is really going to take you to the next level. Plus, I think they're also having a, at the conclusion, you get a four-webinar program that's going to help you. They're going to give you more things like um, proposals and ROI calculators and uh, a variety of things that will help you as you're negotiating with a corporate client, how to submit proposals, what they look like, agreements, uh, how to calculate ROI, all of those things that we hear when, we, <laughs> when we're sitting across the table from a potential client. So it's well worth it, and I would recommend everybody check it out. I'm really excited to be a part of it, um, helping them with some of the backroom logistics, and then also I'll be helping with some of the facilitation of the webinars. So really honored to be a part of this program. That sounds awesome. And yeah, thank you is. for sharing that with our listeners. And, uh, and as we said, it's uh, circling back to the role of coaching and leadership coaching, leadership development, and its role in, in helping to bridge this divide that's gone on with these barriers involved with the executive level. This could be a really instrumental, this, this program uh, could be really instrumental in helping us to all find common ground and to live undivided, uh, not only here but in our workplaces, and to make yourself a, a, a better uh, person and a, a more positive force within you know, your own world and the people that you touch. So thank you for that, Brenda. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Craig, well, thank you for, thank you for having me on the show. Been a, it's been a privilege. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your expertise. It was great to, to have you. Um, 
couple of show promotions here before we sign off for the night. A Tammy Banfield show kick glass Wednesday, March 14th, 1 o'clock Eastern. That's Wednesday, March 14th, 1 o'clock Eastern. Kick glass. That's G-L-A-S-S. Similar uh, to tonight's topic, talks a lot about the glass ceiling and women in leadership. Uh, great listen. Tammy was on this show. Um, some of you have listened and heard that episode. Uh, check that out as we all compete to try and get mind space, as my friend would call it. Wednesday, March 14th, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, Life Coach Chat Channel Sisters of the Diaspora comes your way Thursday, March 15th, with a new episode, 7 p.m. Eastern on Life Coach Chat Channel. That's Sisters of the Diaspora. Thursday, March March 15th, excuse me, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, Life Coach Chat Channel. Salvation Army, www.salvationarmy.us.org. Food for the Poor, 800-427-9104. MAP International, great charity, does a lot of work throughout the world. 800-225-8550. That's MAP International, 800-225-8550. www.map, that's M-A-P. Dot O-R-G, if you'd like to donate or see how you can get involved. And my next show, as this one concludes, my next show is March the 21st, two weeks from tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern. Marla Goldberg from the Marla and Jen Show. Marla Goldberg will be my special guest. And we're still hashing out the idea and the topic exactly because she's been away for a few weeks coaching on a cruise ship. So I'm sure we're going to cover that tough duty down <laughs> from That's what she was been doing. So she just got in yesterday. Can you believe it? Coaching on oh, a cruise ship. Oh, it sounds ship. fabulous. I, can't wait. I wrote that down. Yeah, that, tough is a, duty. that is something to do. <laughs> I, I said, How do you land this gig? We talked on the phone a few oh, weeks ago. So, uh, we'll get into I'm definitely going to be uh, giving her a ribbing on that. So we're going to talk about that as well. So <laughs> Uh, I'll be listening because I want to know how to do that too. (laughs) Oh, excellent. Excellent. Thank you. Oh, it was so great having you on, Brenda. I really appreciate it. Thank you again. Uh, It's been great having you on. It's a a great show. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much. And this has been Undivided Episode 17, Breaking the Executive Barriers. My thanks again to Brenda Barrett, my special guest co-host. It's blessed to have her on. Thank you to the listeners. Thank you to all for listening. And until I see you again, be blessed and be well.